I would love to introduce uh, our speaker who's going to uh, come and share the next part in our psalm series. She blesses us so wonderfully and uh, I would love it if we just give her a massive Life Church welcome. Let's welcome Hannah. Oh, thank you so much. It's such a joy to be with you this morning. And you know, I was so excited that Rachel brought about God's provision because as we were worshipping, I just felt like God, for some people this morning, you've, maybe it's your first time in this church or you've been coming for a long time, but actually part of God's provision for you this morning is, is coming here and being in a church family. And uh, that's very specific for some people this morning, that uh, you need to be with brothers and sisters and you might have stuff that you need to share and you're in a church family. This is where God wants you this morning. So be encouraged. Thank you for bringing that, Rachel. It's so cool. So I'm going to round off our summer series on the Psalms of Ascent. And um, if you've been with us, um, we've just been covering these amazing Psalms. Um, So the Psalms as a whole are a collection of songs and poems in the Old Testament of the Bible. And the Psalms of Ascent are songs that people would have sung together as they went up to Jerusalem to celebrate religious festivals. They were unifying and portray this amazing range of human emotion. And today we are going to look at Psalm 133. It's a tiny psalm, um, but one with such a huge and beautiful message all about unity with one another and God himself. So if you've got a Bible, let's open up Old Testament um, in the Psalms 133, and the words are going to come up on here as well. I am reading from the NIV version. So it says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now I don't know about you, but I can kind of feel the joy and gladness in this song. The joyfulness that comes from God's people being together with the common goal of worshipping him and celebrating him and the proclamation that God blesses unity in his people now and forevermore. For such a short psalm, there are some huge themes about God and and his people, us within it. And today I'd like to explore the themes of unity, blessing, and how we can cultivate unity within our church family. So it's gonna be really good for us moving on. We need to be a church body that is together and united. So let's look at what it was like when the people at the time were singing this. At the time, they, the psalm would have really brought God's people together as they're journeying up to Jerusalem. I almost imagine it's like the song on the playlist that comes on and everyone just goes crazy to. Um, it's one that everyone's on the dance floor singing it. Um, it's a song for everyone. The pilgrims who travelled from all regions to come to Jerusalem would have been a real mixed bunch. And how amazing to have this great psalm just to unite everyone. The words would have bonded them, encouraged them and raised their expectation that this was going to be an awesome time because they knew that God was with them, the king of the universe. Yet even in this joy, God's people worshipped him from a distance. 
They had to obey God's laws. You know, a priest had to uh, sacrifice to atone for their sins. There was this separation going on between God and his people. And there were only a few that were in like this close relationship with him. So now moving forward, what is it like for us today to read this psalm as Christians? Well, we are thankfully not one of the few, but one of the many in relationship with God. As well as being united with one another, we are united with God through Jesus, the one that we have sung our adoration to this morning. And reading this psalm through the lens of Jesus utterly transforms it and elevates it to this new level. This psalm points to Jesus because Jesus made a way for unity and closeness to happen between us and God. We were once separated from God with our sin by going our own way and this meant we could not come close to a holy God. But when Jesus came, he changed everything. He stepped up to rescue us. He took our sin upon him on the cross and he offered himself as the perfect sacrifice. And this made a way for us to be united with the Father to give us a whole new identity as children of God. And now we're part of this amazing family and in unity with him. This is just the most amazing news. And see, unity with God utterly transforms lives. Unity with God has transformed my life. He's the only one who satisfies He's a loving father who's never disappointed in us. He loves us, he saves us. He gives us eternal life. He gives us hope in hopeless situations. He's actively working for our good. He delivers us from oppression from the enemy. He stands in our corner. He shares his heart for his people with us. He moves us to give our time and our money for people. He's totally reliable. He's trustworthy and faithful. He comforts and strengthens and upholds us. I could just keep on going. The unity and the relationship we have with God is amazing. Relationship with God is everything. This psalm paints such a beautiful picture of unity between God's people, that's us. This is not just because, you know, it's really nice for us to get along, um, but because it reflects the character of God and his love and desire to dwell with us to the world. In John 17, 11, Jesus prays, may, may, they, may we be one as he is one with the Father. And he goes on to say, as he's praying to the Father, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, even as you lo- loved them, even as you loved me. Our unity is a message to the world. As followers of Jesus, the church unite around him. But what should this look like? Looking at how Jesus lived his life helps us to understand. So I love, I love that Jesus crossed social, economic, gender, religious boundaries to reach people with his message of hope. He had compassion for people, especially the poor, the needy, the vulnerable. Jesus saw people and he loved them. Are we like this? Do we choose to welcome people into God's family? Do we come alongside people who are different to us? 
Do we have compassion for others? As a united family of believers, Jesus is calling us to love one another as he loved us. Ephesians 4 calls us to be completely humble, gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. 1 Peter 3.8 calls us to be like-minded, compassionate, loving, tender-hearted and courteous. And Ephesians 5.19 says, encourage each other with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Are we doing this? Are we introducing ourselves to others, asking people how they are and listening to them well? Are we praying for people and being hospitable? I see so many signs of that in Life Church over the years. In this church, we are so hospitable and we're so welcoming. I love our heart for people. I've appreciated unity between God's people so much these past few months. So we said goodbye to our best friends of 12 years as they recently left this church and went over to Holland to plant a new one. And it cost us hugely as a family. It hurt our hearts and we're still feeling the loss. Yet in this loss, I've been strengthened by my church family. I know I have friends praying for me and my family. I receive texts, scripture, hugs, love hugs, <laughs> and generosity from my friends. And we went on holiday um, after our friends left. And I was like really worried about what that time was going to be like. You know, we left, we were really kind of broken actually. And we went away. And I'm so thankful to God's grace within my immediate family. During those two weeks, I felt a new level of thankfulness for them. And my thankful heart was such a blessing from God. The psalm tells us that our unity blesses us. In the ESV version, if you read that, it starts with behold. Behold how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is something to see, it's something to observe. This is a remarkably different thing in the world that we live in. It's not like posh winning 4-0 yesterday <laughs> and a fleeting unity of that. You know, everyone was so happy posh won, but you know, that's fleeting unity. This unity, us here, this church family, that is, um, that is something different from the world. Here we read of God's blessing being like a precious oil flowing down over Aaron's head, beard and robe. It's a beautiful image. So Aaron was chosen by God to be high priest to God's people and Moses anointed him. And he didn't just like put a little dab of oil over his head. He literally poured this jug of oil. Aaron was just dripping with this oil. It's symbolic, oil's symbolic in the Bible. It was hugely valuable at the time um, and carried, often carried this really sweet aroma to it. It is used to represent God's anointing on certain people and it's a holy sign of setting them apart for his glory and his purpose. And God loves it when we live together in this unity. He pours out his goodness over us like pouring running oil down. It is holy, it's life-giving, it's nourishing like the dew that comes from Mount Hermon and settles on the mountains around Jerusalem. God blesses us with his Holy Spirit 
God's very presence who lives within us and we can see and experience the goodness of it. We bear the fruit of it, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. We build one another up. We care for one another. And God speaks to us through spiritual gifts like prophecy, healing, and words of knowledge. Our unity blesses us and God anoints it. It's funny because um, only this week, <laughs> preparing for a preach on unity, and this week I have just relied on the unity of God's family so much. We came back off holiday, I'm like, woo, great holiday. Feeling really thankful to God for my family back on Monday. Boom. It was just like it hit me. Just I was back on the rat race kind of thing, you know, just oh I've got lots of things to do, lots of things to plan. And I just started to feel really depressed. I um I saw a friend and uh, she asked me if I was okay. And I just did the British thing of going, yeah, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I was like, oh man, I've just lied to her. I've completely lied. So I called her back and I said, you know what? I'm not fine. I'm really not okay. I feel depressed. There's this, there's that. And I explained it to her. And she sat with me and um, she listened to me and she prayed for me and I went away different. I just... You know, all the stuff hadn't changed, but how I felt, how I just felt united with her. There's something about sharing with a Christian that, that is different. Uh, I, just, I just felt so loved by her and I just felt so strengthened. I just think, how can it be that we can be praying with friends and seeking God about the most vulnerable things and come away from that time uplifted, strengthened and loved? Again this week, I met with two people who are really struggling with grief. And we had such a special time praying together. And like, how is it that during that time when we pray together, God just comes and shows his love and they go out with their head a bit higher and they feel strengthened. Just so pleased that we came together and we prayed. I remember when my friend rung me up in Asda. I was in the card aisle in Asda. And she rung me up, like totally ecstatic because she'd just been with someone who gave their life to Jesus. I mean, there's nothing dignified about dancing around Asda, like screaming, hallelujah, I can tell you that. But I don't care, come on. Like this person had given their life to Jesus and we united over the phone because that had happened. My friend Sherelle, she was invited to church by a friend and she said she's never had friends like this before. Never, never had friends like this before. The unity and the bond she's had with other Christians is like no other. Her life is transformed and I'm seeing it happen because she's united with God and she's united with a church family. There's something special about the DNA of Christians as we dwell together. The psalmist says it's good and pleasant when God's people live together in unity, but let's be honest, that's not always easy, is it? There are times when living in a Christian family is tough. Being united is hard and we don't always see eye to eye. In these times, we need to be intentional in, think, in our thinking and our heart attitude. We need wise counsel from mature Christians 
and we need Jesus to help us. And thankfully, thank God, he gives us grace for one another. He blesses us with the fruits of the Spirit to help us grow. And in to increase in this, we need to continually seek God and his presence. Um, and it says in the Bible, we're to keep on being filled with his Holy Spirit. We need to keep on asking him to fill us afresh. Because God has designed us to be together and that's the design of the church. We are one body and when a member of the church family leaves or dies or is healed or steps out in faith for the first time or is baptised like Jan was the other day, you know, I think it affects the whole church, yeah? When, if you were here when Jan got baptised, like, we were ecstatic. Like, people were on their feet worshipping God. It's, it's just together we're united in celebrating what God's done in Jan's life. We unite in our grief and our joy just as we are in worshipping Jesus. So I thought it would be helpful to put together 10 practical tips on how we can love each other as Jesus loves us. Some things that I've found so, so helpful over the years, and they're just going to come up here. So number one is ask God for help to be other-preferring. I will often ask Jesus to show me his heart for people and God has changed my heart towards people. One example is that we live on a street that is just this thoroughfare of people. We have people of all nationalities. Everyone walks up and down our streets and we went through this season where I noticed people who were addicted to drugs and the alcohol on our streets in a whole new way and I started to really dislike these people. I just... It just seemed that I was bumping into them and I just had a bad heart attitude towards them. I was saying to Paul, I just can't, I don't think I can live here anymore. Let's move somewhere nice and leafy. And, um, and then I was like, God, you know, my heart towards them is not good. Show me your heart. And you know, in that time, I felt God did just change my heart. Suddenly, I felt compassion towards them and then I started to pray for them and then I was weeping in my prayers over them. You know, God does something when we ask him to change our hearts. So we need to ask God to help us be other-preferring. Number two is be aware of spiritual warfare. Uh, we have a very real enemy. The devil wants to bring division and destroy relationship and his key tactic, the two key things he'll go after are destroying our relationship with God and with each other. His strategy is to draw us away from Christ and meeting together. But knowing this, having a spiritual awareness of what he's doing, helps us pray pointed prayers against it. And only this week, literally this week, it's all happening this week, um, I, felt, I was really offended by something that another Christian had done. And my friend gently reminded me that we don't wage war against flesh and blood, but principles and principalities. That's in Ephesians 6.12. Let's not be angry at each other, but at the enemy for trying to attack the church and those within it. And let's pray, knowing that God builds his church and he, there's no greater power than him. Three, let's thank God for his people, even if you dislike that person, especially if you dislike that person. This is powerful spiritual warfare. It helps cultivate a soft heart before God. Four, look at the heart and cast off labels. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, we're reminded that the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, 
but the Lord looks at the heart. I've seen this so many times in our church. People just look at the heart of others and just so kindly welcome them in. I love that about life, church. Let's keep going on with that. Number five is see what God is doing rather than what is not happening. Um, This will help counteract cynicism and raises our expectation in God. Six is regularly examine our hearts and ask God if there's anything that he wants to show us and bring freedom from. Um, This is so helpful to do as a regular practice because the more we ask God to show us what's in our hearts, to sift our hearts, the more he will show us the root of what's causing the problems that we're going through. If we can get him to show us the root, then we can pray and he can work, he can work in us and help to just undo the stuff that's causing the problems. Seven is practice repentance and forgiveness. Eight is to seek to live in peace, but avoid a false peace. So by false peace, I mean actively, if you're actively avoiding problems uh, or you, you just don't want to do confrontation or you're being overly humble. Uh, I've been in that position so many times and I'm still working through that with God. I don't like confrontation, but sometimes it needs to happen. Um, and often this can come from the root of having like a fear of man. So you're worried about what people think of you. So going to God with that and asking him, you know, why do I have this fear of man? God can work with that. Start asking him about that, if that's you today. Nine is to seek to bless others and give to them. This is kingdom thinking and acting, and it's countercultural to everything that the world would say, but it's powerful to do that. And 10 is learn to celebrate what God is doing in other people's lives. This, is, this has been massive for me because I, I sometimes have this problem of comparing myself to others, yeah? And when someone was saying to me about celebrating what God's doing in other people's lives, just gave me a whole fresh new perspective and love for Jesus when you can champion what he's doing in others' lives. Because comparison and envy are unity killers. And it's, yeah, it's helped me greatly in securing my identity in Christ. So there's my 10 top tips. <laughs> I hope they're useful. Um, yeah, just coming in to, to round up this preach now. And while I was preparing it, I also felt God speaking to me about perhaps there's people here or at home who have kind of shrunk away from meeting together with other Christians, perhaps it's you, perhaps you've been hurt in the past. Uh, And I feel like the enemy has been weaving lies of distrust um, into minds. And this has kind of escalated over time into a place of sort of cynicism. And it's just really caused people to shrink away um, because the kind of self-preservation thing going on there. If that's that's you, I just feel like God is speaking, speaking wants to speak to you today. Um, I feel like God wants to reach out to you and start to unpick those lies. Um, He wants to pour out his love to you and bring you back into fellowship. And as we move on into communion and a worship um, time, just encourage you to come before God and just, just let him come into your heart and ask him to show you his perspective for other people and how much he loves you and the unity of, of the church family. So Psalm 133 encourages us to live together in unity because it blesses us. It also reminds us of the sacrifice Jesus made to bring each one of us together in unity with God himself. 
Let's value afresh the precious gift of unity we all partake in within the family of, of the church because it is uniquely precious and reflects the Father's immensely deep and wide love for us. Maybe you're with us for the first time today. Welcome to Life Church. We hope you uh, see and experience the presence of God in this place through the unity of people. Yeah, we are nice, like still, we're really nice people here, but what makes us genuine, authentic, and welcoming is the presence of God with us. And if you want to know more about Jesus and what he's done for us to have this close relationship, why not chat with someone you've come with or come find me, Sam, Rachel, Paul at the end, come and find us and we would love to pray for you. So yeah, if the band, if you could uh, start playing, let's just, um, let's stand on our feet and I'll just pray. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, for the way that you died for us to give us unity with the Father, that there is nothing like it. It's life-giving. And Lord, I pray for every heart this morning that we would be yours and you would be ours and we would just know another level of unity with Christ and the Father, that we are children of God and we can come right into that throne room right up to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And thank you for each other. Thank you that Jesus, you made the church for us to bless us. That there's nothing like sharing with other Christians, Lord. And I pray this morning for any hearts that have been hurt, that have shrunk away, that Lord, you will come and just pour your love out on these people. That they would know that it's a safe place to come to the church. We give you all the glory and all the praise, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.